You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. This is a one time, or no, I shouldn't say that, one time. This is the latest podcast for the Liz in Detroit, and it's been probably almost 10, 12 months since my last um, podcast. It's been a bit. Took a little hiatus on uh, the shows as um, work got busy, but feel that over those past 10 months, there's been so many changes, so many new things um, to talk about regarding the real estate market, what's going on within Metro Detroit, that it's poignant to get started again on these podcasts. And doing this show today kind of like as a send-off for 2018 and bring people up to speed with some great things that I have going on in 2019, I found to be quite important. So without further ado, thanks everyone for listening in on uh, the Liz in Detroit podcast I can't, is this number 17 or something? You know what? I'd have to go back and check number. the actual number. Yeah, but um, if you need to reach me, of course, by cell, 313-617-2699. Also, Facebook, www.lizindetroit.com, right? Yeah. Well, Facebook is Facebook. just at Liz in at Detroit. Liz in Detroit. Right. See, I, I haven't. Get, uh, yeah. It's been a while. We're going to get you been back. A while. Into the I'll chair. get back on the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, my website, lizindetroit.com. So if you are searching for properties in Detroit, please um, check out my site. We did a lot of improvements the last three months to the site to be more interactive regarding available properties, not only that I have, but that are available in the city, and just give people more of an understanding and appreciation of. Uh, my taking real estate as a career and what um, changes it's made in my life, what I've been giving back actually to the community from like um, charitable organizations, um, donations over the last like two years has been pretty great. And then the, just the number of, of clients that I've had to graciously work with over the course of my 20-year career so far. So it's pretty amazing. So I'm excited about that. So please, if you get a chance, check out my website, LizInDetroit.com. Of course, Facebook, um, Liz in Detroit, and then Twitter, Liz in Detroit. But I don't think we've been doing much on Twitter lately. Actually, we've been doing little. more yeah. on Twitter, and we can talk about Milo and our marketing strategy in a little bit. But before we do that, for yes. those that are just tuning in or it's mm-hmm. their first, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Oh, my gosh. I didn't do that. Liz Tintinelli. <laughs> um, with Liz in Detroit, been in real estate for 20 years, um, working under the umbrella of the Real Estate One family, thank- thankfully since 2007. So um, this year of 2018 marks, yeah, the, actually the 21st year in real estate because I got involved in real estate in 1997. So um, put this show on the air to talk a lot about um, the changes in real estate, um, why I do it, um, the things that influence me and I think are big influences in the city and creating the stronger community that Detroit um, is and has. 
Um, so it's been really important to bring people on the show I, that, that I feel have, are making an impact on making our community better, whether it be young entrepreneurs, established businesses, um, people in my field of real estate and development. It's just been a real, I feel like it's, it's important to get that information out there so that people um, get a better appreciation and understanding of what's going on in the city. Well, one of the other things that we're doing with this podcast also, this is the first podcast for Liz in Detroit in, in Detroit. the new studio, actually, in Detroit. Which is very exciting. What's your uh, first uh, impression of the studio? Well, I'm glad I wore green today because I think I look good in green and I'm you surrounded great by in green. Anything, Liz. So it's... Uh, yeah, I feel it's great. No, it's it's nice and cozy in here. Despite the weather outside, I feel very comfortable. It's wonderful. No, and it's great location. I was like, where is it again? Because I was looking on Selden, but I had to go a little bit further south. A little bit. So tell us a little bit about 2018, because everybody believes that they are an expert in the Detroit market now. What did you see this year on buyers, sellers, just overall You're looking back? giving me a loaded question. Yes. So let's break that down. So from a buyer perspective, I definitely saw from like the early part of the year leading up to the beginning part of spring, we were still in that demand market seller market where you're putting in bids on properties and you're up against possible other bidders. So you had to be quite competitive in your offering and what you were putting forth, you know, whether it be as little contingencies as possible, just the best solid deal. And in some cases, even bidding slightly above offering price to be able to get the property. And I definitely saw that uh, teeter off even through the summer and spring. Now, this doesn't mean every market. This is just my uh, my working with a lot of my bars, which covered a lot of the parts of Detroit as well as the parts of the Gross Point. Um, but in that same token, I also, it's just, it's just been really weird. Certain price points were still really hot and competitive. Um, but overall, I saw teetering off on how many people were going for specific properties. Um, and that sellers didn't have as much of wiggle room, I should say, on on um, or, or demand on what they could get. I saw that there was a little bit more adjustment on pricing. Um, I'm trying to see if I can give an example. You know, um, I was running on a high of selling a lot of things at a higher price point in the Park Shelton. And then I, I definitely saw the timeline for um, getting uh, showings on those properties go from like the first couple of weeks to like teetering off to like, you know, 30 days, 60 days for getting, um, um, showings on certain properties by buyer. So it was like kind of interesting where I saw that and I started to see a trend where, you know, as things were saying on the market long, sellers getting an easy and seeing prices drop kind of like all over the place. Um, and that's really continued on more so the late fall um, up until now. So it's it's still kind of a crazy market on that side for the buyers. From the sellers, there's I still think it's a spectacular time to list. There was a lot of fear in where interest rates were going to go. So it, it better not to wait to spring, which is the more peak time to list, but to list now. So I've actually seen more inventory in certain price points come on the market like October, November than I did even in the springtime. So it's kind of interesting how that's been happening on the seller side. And then again, people being a little bit more strategic on pricing where, you know, if they want to get a deal done by the end of 2018, they're being more wiseful on their pricing. 
um, to get a quicker deal. But even then, again, I've, I've still seen something stay on the market longer, like 30, 60, 90 days. Whereas 18 months ago, you just didn't see that happen. Like if you didn't get your first no, buyers in sure. the door, the first two weeks of a listing, you knew that there was something wrong. It was priced incorrectly mm-hmm. or it just wasn't showing well. But there's just a lot of factors. There's a lot going on in our world right now. Local government, you know, we had an, uh, a midterm election that we were working on too. So there are a lot of factors that contribute to this. So... Um, I just want to instill more of a sense of um, viability in the Detroit market that I don't feel this loom and gloom of of having some kind of a major recession. I've I've seen it more in in a reduction in in pricing. So our desires of escalating the price per square foot extremely high. I see that teetering off. I still see more of a stronger balance in the condo market that I see in Detroit, more so between that 250 and 350 a square foot price mark than trying to really escalate above 400,000. I still don't see that being the norm. I do see that there's a strong demand for new, exceptional, beautiful, luxury quality products. So I've, I've seen more people look at stuff at the $500,000 and $600,000 price point and put their money down because it's, we haven't had that kind of a true market here in the city of Detroit. And we're not talking about like thousands of units at these price points. We're just talking hundreds right now. So I do, I don't think we're at a threshold of reaching that kind of marketplace. So I still think there's a ton of room in the Detroit marketplace for that high end quality unit. And there are buyers that are looking for it. But on the flip side of that, I also see a struggle for people that might be on those lower price points. Maybe they're under a hundred thousand, maybe they're under 200,000 of finding that kind of true kind of quality development. So to lead uh, leading into what I foresee and what I am looking into in 2019 and we'll bring some guests on the show talking about is different kinds of incremental development that we're seeing branch out in a lot of the outside neighborhoods of the city of Detroit where you're getting, um, People who grew up in these in certain neighborhoods come back and see a need for reinvestment within their the neighborhoods mm-hmm. that they grew up in and doing things on a small scale. They're maybe linking up with the Detroit Land Bank, which is a holder of a lot of, what is it, over 99,000 units of real estate in Correct. the city yes. of Detroit. Yep. Tapping into the resources of the land bank property base in their neighborhoods and trying to work out negotiations with them of obtaining properties for inexpensive costs and being able to rehab them and restore houses in their stronger communities and create create viable options for people to move into that, you know, that isn't in that two and three hundred thousand dollar price range. But, you know, below that, that's affordable. What are some of the things that you're seeing from appraisals? Have they been a help or a hindrance in Detroit as well as the metro area? You know, I think there's there was definitely a switch in the appraisal marketplace about 18 months ago. Um, and some of the outlining, I'll just kind of break it down on the outside, outlining markets of, of neighborhoods of Detroit versus downtown. There's a lot more evidence of sold prices, the full gamut of um, price per square foot in the city of Detroit. I've seen stuff as, you know, 200, 300, 400. And I don't see appraisals being an issue at those certain price points now. Um, 
on the other end of the spectrum of of the housing market, whether it be rehabbing homes like on the outlining neighborhoods of, say, the North End, LaSalle Garden, Russell Woods, um, Pingree, those kind of neighborhoods. I'm seeing that as houses are being rehabbed and, and people are purchasing in that like eighty dollars to $100,000 price point, that it's stabilizing the marketplace for those comps. So the ability to create and redevelop and provide product at, the, at those lower price points to reach a vaster array of first-time home buyers, of young families, you know, that their incomes wouldn't afford them a $250,000 house, but maybe a hundred or $150,000. See, I'm seeing that more possible. So I'm not seeing necessarily issues with appraisals right now. Um, over the last couple of years, they've definitely got a lot more strict. You don't see appraisers coming in ten, twenty thousand dollars higher mm-hmm. than the offering price. The safe bet is usually coming in right at the asking right at price, value. right at value or asking. Yeah, price. so I don't, I don't find that to be much of an issue right now with um, where I've been priced. But a lot, I could speak to my own listings that we've had price adjustments. Over the course of individual listings, and when we finally get them under contract at our at our revised pricing, we haven't had an issue. But potentially, if we had kept our pricing where it was originally on original listing, we might have had an issue with appraisals because they might have been higher than what would have been attainable. But it's it's tough to say because I just care that it they we got appraisal values coming as in. long as you got the so appraisal you, you values. can't think about the what ifs really a lot of the times regarding that. One of the things you just talked about was rehab and, you know, flipping has been over the past five years, you know, all the rage. But talking about rehab specifically, what do you think is the biggest misconception of people coming in to Detroit thinking they're going to buy a property and rehab on the cheap? Well, there's, again, another loaded question. Cheap is all relative as far as what people expect to be able to get for properties. Um you know, I, I th- it's really hard to put together any kind of a hard and soft cost of construction if you don't have any background doing it or have any links with people. So, y- y- you know, you don't know what you don't know um, as far as these incoming investors. If they have a lot of experience, if they have the team of of workers to work with them to create, um, you know, these renovation products, that's one thing. But a lot of people coming in are coming in on the notion that, they can do it themselves. Like if I get this property cheap, yeah, it's only going to be $20,000 to renovate. And it just really, there's so many factors. Are you doing a lot of the work? Do you have a lot of the skills? Are you teaming up with somebody that does all of that? And I definitely know from a speaking with a vast array of realtors and buyers, there's a definite shortfall of skilled labor to do a lot of these smaller projects. And if you've got somebody that's good, you're competing on a timeline of where they've got multiple projects line up and you might have to wait. And, you know, if you're under working under an FHA 203K, you don't have that kind of time. you got to line up your contractors and your bids um, to complete your entire offer package. So, you know, that's on the, on the buy side. From the investor side, you know, I think people are getting a lot more picky so if you're coming in and there, people are coming in and seeing a flip, they're not going to spend 
a ton of money on something that they know that they still have. Oh, look, they they painted everything and it's a decent paint job, but they didn't replace windows. I still have a roof to do or I still have to replace a furnace or a hot water tank. You know, buyers coming in don't necessarily know what that stuff costs. But what they end up doing is they add thousands of dollars in their heads. They're like, well, this isn't done. This is going to cost me a lot. So there's again, there's a there's a gray area of understanding of what it takes to do that stuff. And I think there's there's definitely a. A, a want and a desire of owners and investors to come in and get things inexpensively and rehab them. But there's on the opposite side of that, there are buyers that don't have the concept of what it takes to do all that work. And they just want to move something in that's move in ready. And for move in ready, they don't necessarily even want to paint. Right. You know, they just want something to be tight and clean and efficient. They can move right into. So yeah, it's, there's a lot to have to consider on both the buy side and the sell side being an investor and trying to attract that buyer. I think as we see in the future with so much more product coming on the market, whether it be for rent or for sale, um, that buyers will be a lot more picky and they'll be able to line up those projects, you know, on a piece of paper. Well, these are the the five projects I'm interested in and really do a, co- a cost comparison on them. Like, what features do they have in common? Which are better than the other to make their decision? I think we're going to get to that point again. So you're going to see more of a, a competition between sellers of how to draw those buyers in because they're going to want to see all the bells and whistles if they're going to be spending that money, you know? Um, thankfully, on on my own side of the redevelopment and reinvestment, I teamed up with a group this year that's doing small-scale development, um, rehabbing houses near the LaSalle, um, Rosa Parks area from Glencourt South all the way to South LaSalle um, Street of from single-family homes or converting two families into single families. And when we first listed a lot of those homes, we got a lot of negative negative feedback from people like, oh, the area is terrible. This doesn't make any sense. Who's going to buy this? And honestly, people, I've got all those projects under contract. Why? Because we found that right buyer that understood that the value that they were actually purchasing in the neighborhood that they see might be in transition. But they're like, again, they're those pioneers that they see good quality when not only they walk through it, but have the inspections and know what they're getting. So um, there are there are those buyers out there that are willing to move outside of the comfort zone of like the midtown news center and downtown to be able to get good quality in, in many respects, a much larger home than maybe they need. But they um there's great value in what they see and what they found in construction. So to all the naysayers and certain of those certain properties, like, you know, um, for people that are doing a lot more research on those areas, they're understanding like, yeah, this is a great value for what's coming in these neighborhoods. So, so comparatively then what are the hot neighborhoods to buy right now? And what are the hot neighborhoods to rehab? <clears throat> So again, hot is so relative. So I, I'm I'm more like I'm hot. I know, of course. <laughs> I like to like I'm thinking much more broader broader terms of the the hotness because I think depending upon the buyer, you're going to have a certain desire of certain neighborhoods. Like some people like to be a little bit outside of the immediate downtown area, but maybe within a few blocks of the Q line or. Um, a lot of the retail just to have a little bit of breathing room for development. Some people just want to be right in the heart of it all and be 
within walking distance to their nearest coffee shop or um, to their new employer, you know, to their employer's office that just happened to move into a new area of the city of Detroit. So it's really different, but I definitely see, you know, the desire and demand of Corktown as is expanding its development, whether it be um, the assembly project, the Tiger Town project, or the Eaton Eaton um, development. So we're talking for rent and for sale, literally within a three or four block radius. It's going to transform all of Corktown with that kind of availability. Um, so I still see that hot. People just are are waiting and looking for great product where they can be within walking distance to many things. I see downtown. You know, I, I was working with a client that was kind of upset that there aren't more beautiful buildings, old. Uh, high rises that aren't being converted into ownership condos. You know, they see so much being transformed into rental and they would love to see more condos, you know, that can, can compete with places like the Fort Shelby, the book Cadillac, um, for high rises right in the heart of downtown. And it's hard because a lot of what's being done, you know, for various strategic reasons for taxes are going to be rental before they're going to go condo. Um, but hopefully we'll see some of those buildings decide to turn around and, and go condo. Um, rumor has it that, um, the, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank right at the corner of Grand Circus. And um, where Angelina's used to be, help me. Yeah, the uh, the the David Broderick. Uh, the Broderick, the Broderick is looking into possibly converting to condos. So, um, spoke with an appraisal team that's working on the um, pro forma for that project, and that could be something that's great that we haven't seen in that um, tight knit area of right downtown. Go condo. They're not planning on necessarily doing extensive renovations to the units, but putting them at a price point where they'll be able to sell quickly. So look for those announcements in the coming months for that. Also looking at um, uh, the um, Ash, oh gosh, I'm drawing about the Auburn in Midtown is looking at converting its apartments into condos and a couple of other projects right around there, small units that are going to go condo. So it's really intriguing to see where that's going to be. So again, a transition from rental to condo, um, Sherbrooke, another project in Midtown is looking to go condo. And we've seen a couple listings come online that are going um condo some smaller buildings that are being renovated will be available probably late spring so there's a lot little stuff like here and there that will feed into that like midtown neighborhood so i think those could be great especially for seeing price points maybe on smaller units um priced just under 200 or just over 200 i think those wow. are viable product that can go quickly so i think that's possible heart, a hot market to look at um of course, um, Brush Park, which also is a part of Midtown, we're just seeing what um, is in demand there from the City Modern Project and other surrounding units right at the border. Um, you've got Alexander Real Estate listing a few things that are right on the the Mac Cord. Um, Mac and Woodward border of townhouses that I actually got to tour the other day, which is. It's it's surprisingly interesting and quiet once you get inside these units and good spaces. Uh, typically, they've got a ranch style that's a two-bedroom, I think, one-and-a-half bath, and then a townhouse style that's a two-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, or two, yeah, two-and-a-half bath also. That's a two-story that's, or three-story. It's really interesting, but right in the heart there. So there's a lot that's happening in that area. We're not going to be able to recognize Brush Park soon. I see that being like really hot areas as far as the higher end marketplace. 
the the neighborhoods to look out for again i would still say parts of the north north end part of the lasalle gardens as we continue to to do development there and see other um like-minded development groups invest in those areas i think those areas are also great um i'm still seeing good things happen in the areas of russell woods and the bagley neighborhood going further north and west of downtown um Hamtramck is doing exceptionally well. I think that's, you know, I hate to toy in the phrase of, of, of it's the new Corktown, but I'm seeing, um, great availability of product, you know, in the, um, upper teens to just over a hundred thousand great investments for first time buyers, whether it be a single family or two family that you can get your hands on there. And there's a lot of product that isn't staying on the market long there. So they're really growing that whole neighborhood. So there's lots, I think for the first time in a long time, um, we're seeing more of the investment and monies that was traditionally right through that Woodward corridor spread out to other outlining areas, which is good. It might not be happening as fast as many of us do want, but I do think that that's something to really keep an eye out for the um, coming year and years to come because the actual viable options that people have, if they're willing to go a little bit outside of the norm areas of Woodward and Jefferson, they'd be happily surprised what strength there is in those surrounding communities um, and growth and, and, you know, worthy of investment. Well, that leads to a question. If we're looking at neighborhoods that are hot and up and coming, you know, obviously Hamtramck's going to face some issues over the next couple of years with the closing of Pole Town. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you had a pick, and this is your opinion, between Hamtramck or Hazel Park, what's your thought? Because both of those border Detroit. Right. I don't know. I think me personally, I'm probably more attracted to Hamtramck, um, the origins of my maternal side are from the Hamtramck area. So the Polish Ukrainian side um, originated from there and seeing the strength of um, the ever growing immigrant population in Hamtramck, I think is great and fantastic. And to me, it's always transitioning different in different ways culturally, but I don't know. I, I see that being more of a viable um, community than possibly Hazel Park. I don't know. It's just different. I mean, I see they're so completely different, but I mean, I think cause my, my, um, purse strings are so strongly tied to parts of Detroit. I'm more leaning towards, um, that of Hamtramck and the strength that it has, you know, surrounded by Detroit and what it, you know, it will bring the city overall. Cause when you think of how close it is to Wayne state university and all the medical district, like it's, it's, it's so close that it should be a part of everyone's consideration if they're going to be part of the city. So I don't know. I just see that between the properties that are there to invest in, whether it be residential or the viable options that might be there on a commercial level to transform some of their retail spaces. I know. I think I, I'm, I'm drawn to that. I'm trying to make more of that. All right. One of the things we're waiting on, I think Billy is Billy Strotter from Milo, Detroit. Um, he says he's on his way. And when he gets in, it's going to be we'll a, scold him. We will scold him. But I want to go through a quick um, rundown with you of your listings of what you have listed. Mm-hmm. Right. So 279 East Palmer. Yes. Great 
solid one bedroom, um, one bath in the art center community, which has a a one car and actually a little bit of flex place in that garage for a little workshop. Um, It's a great condo space that's um, the south side of 94, close to walking distance to College of Creative Studies, Wayne State, um, access to all the medical district. It's a really great, efficient one-bedroom space that I think offers a lot of great options if it's a single person or a couple that don't necessarily need a ton of space but want to be close to everything. And, you know, having that attached garage, I think, as we all know, this day and age is a huge bonus to have. Great space. Been some updates done to it between flooring and painting, some custom shelving, but offers a great option for people looking for um, an efficient space in the city. All right. Park Shelton. Let's talk about unit 206. Let's just talk about them all. 206, 1023. No, the the viable options we have there for studios, one bedrooms, which we'll have a one bedroom, uh, two bath listed uh, momentarily, is quite phenomenal. Um, I think there's still an an underestimation and a, a misunderstanding for how terrific that building is. Yes, I'm biased because I've sold a lot of units there, obviously, because I want to sell the ones that I have. But I have always I started off in real estate on a conversion project of an old historic building, Indian Village Manor, and and I'm happy to um, have been a part of the team that came through and to sell the remaining developer units of the Park Shelton back in 2014. And there's, you know, it's not brand new that a lot of people are looking for, but it is a spectacular um, community of great historic charm with fabulous retail spots on the main level and uh, rooftop terrace. They've definitely done some great improvements and more will be coming in the upcoming years. But there's so much to talk about that project. Um, you know, is it in transition? Sure. You know, from my experiences working at Indian Village Manor, you know, it took about you know, five to 10 years post developer sellout to really get things running like a nice oiled machine for that type of a conversion project. A lot of people don't understand for, you know, older buildings like the Park Shelton. It takes a lot of time and a ton of money to keep that looking and maintaining in its peak performance. And it's gone through a lot of growing pains. But I think if if people actually take the time to really learn about what um, spaces are available there, they'll definitely change their tune on on the option that it has not to mention one of the best locations i think in the city for a product you know so real quick before we get to billy then tell me about two others tell me about um calvert and john r calvert all you naysayers is a great project i'm actually working with a couple buyers right now um so i think Part of the changes that I see occurring in, in in my role as a real estate agent is assisting people more that are new to Detroit, want to figure out how an investment can work is putting to get excuse me, putting together um develop a kind of a development plan, mini mini plan for these places that need um redevelopment. And definitely Calvert is it. Yeah, it's not shy of needing some investment to it. But I think it's worthy in a neighborhood that um, you see a lot of strength 
in existing um, residences and rehab that's happening around it. So um, I just saw the other day a lot of city workers up and down the street because I think they're replacing the whole gas line. So, you know, from a city municipal level to, you know, a development level, we're seeing changes occur just around that, you know, in that neighborhood. And we're talking Calvert is just one block north of Glen Court. So, you know, we're talking about expanding that Boston Edison area into those other, uh, into the other streets. But I think there's an incredible option there if you're looking for an investment project. So over the next couple of weeks, I'll be putting together plans. If you're looking for an investment um, project and have the means to throw it in, I'm trying to work um, through some various plans for some people there. So stay tuned for that. And then real quick, 2915 John R. 2915 John R. The Carlton. Um, Carlton, a seven-story building, has a Incredible views of the city skyline from its um, seventh floor window. Um, again, a great, efficient space, two-bedroom, two-bath, um, with spectacular views, nice concrete floors, radiant floor heating. There's not a whole lot negative to really say about its location because it's surrounded by so much new development in um, Brush Park. Um, but it's a very unique space. It doesn't have a tax abatement, which is... I think scary to a lot of people on where taxes will go. So under, getting people to understand um, that facet of, of the purchase has been a little bit challenging, but um, I think it works better as an ownership property than it does investment for the tax right alone. But I think soon enough it's, it will get that right buyer, and sometimes it just takes a while. And once again, all of those listings can be found on www.lizindetroit.com. And through many of the postings of some of our great photos of the interiors, thanks to Milo, you can also check out my Instagram site um, where many of those properties are featured lovely. And that is a segue. That was a great segue, Liz. <laughs> Billy Strotter, Milo Detroit. Yes, that's me. Thank you, Billy. You're welcome. So glad you made it. Billy. Yeah. yeah, there's a yeah. story there. There is. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> How do you want to use your time right, right now? Right. Do you want to tell that story or you want to talk about Milo and the great synergy and relationship that well, we have with Liz and We're going to talk about both. But well, I, I think I, that gives that, doesn't it? it I does. mean, all of this back and forth and the chatter. Mm-hmm. I, I was... I was more intrigued by you being on this show as we say goodbye to 2018 and 2019, knowing everything that I've, you know, this year has brought me from, from business changes in the marketplace, whatever I think was poignant as um, we brought Milo on my team of expanding my outreach for real estate and knowledge of, of the marketplace. You too have seen your share of growing pains as we're seeing this new emerging Detroit. So I, I was, I was thought it was great for you to come on today to talk about how, yeah, there's that synergy of how we're working together, but you too have seen a lot of changes in your own business yeah, absolutely. with this new Detroit. Yeah, and it's funny. Uh, what I'll say is, you know, just the quick story. The reason why um, I'm here at the time that I'm here, uh, <laughs> looking at the agenda, Billy Strutter first, uh, and yet here I am going last, uh, is I was, we're doing this um, session with the entire team. Uh, where we're looking at, um, it's called Innovation Week. And so what we're doing is we're looking at all of our individual clients and trying to understand what their goals and objectives are. 
for 2019 so that we can come back to you as the expert and say, this is what we believe you need to do to reach your audience. And the first thing that I opened with was reminding my team when I started as a freelancer uh, eight years ago, I always felt it doesn't matter how big the retainer is. Every client should get our best work. Mm -hmm. And if we don't understand who they are as an organization, there's no way that we can manage their social media for them. And so as we've sort of shifted and changed and we've had people come and go, um, it always comes down to do people believe and buy in to your vision? And if they don't, there is nothing – it's not really about me yeah. because Milo is about the people that are there. Uh, and I believe that the people are, are what make up the culture and it's not, it's not a dictatorship. Yeah. And so as we move into 2019, I am encouraging my team to, to raise their hand, share what their issues are, what their problems are so that we can work together to move forward because you always have two issues, right? There's this idea of, uh, are they capable of yeah. doing the work, but then you also have the personalities that you have to deal with as well. Mm-hmm. And so just trying to bring that all together so that you establish trust, which will then allow the great ideas in the work to shine through. How, you know, how over the course of like the last year have you seen things change um, from, from even last year, years before? Has it been, there's been more of a demand and need. Um, yeah. Like how do you, how do you work with your clients? Like what have you been working on to fulfill their needs? What do you, where have you seen your role? I know and it's different from client to client. But. Yeah. Yeah. It, so when we first started, um, you know, so uh, December 15th was the two year anniversary for Milo. Uh, and we started out with five people and we're somewhere around 17. Thank you. Uh, in honor of Bob and Dave, just in case. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, you know, we started uh, with five people and we're around 17 now with uh, a few open positions. And so when you do that, you one of the things that I quickly recognize is that we didn't have structure. Yeah. in place. I started out truly believing, um, however misguided that may be, that a flat organization was a real thing mm-hmm. uh, and quickly learned that's not the case. Someone has to ultimately make a decision. Yeah. And if I'm going to continue to grow the business and be out in the public working with people, um, I need to have a structure in place for people to make decisions uh, on my behalf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's one of the biggest um, changes that that we've had. Um, and when you go through that process of putting in structure, those that have been with you for a while struggle with that because mm-hmm. it now goes from I have access to Billy, the founder, every single day we sit hip to hip to now there's this layer in between and I don't see Billy and I don't always know the direction. And so I've had to really look at all of the things and the mistakes that I've made and course correct a number of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, to talk specifically about social and, and digital, um, clients have become more savvy. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. But the challenge with that is that there's a very big difference between, you know, when I manage, when I'm posting for myself, I do it in a certain way that is not brand focused, mm-hmm. right? So it's a, it's sort of random. Um, 
And there are so many nuances to how you reach people and the way that you speak to people. And so we always say, okay, what's your strategy? Um, but what are your goals and objectives? Are you posting just to post or mm-hmm. is there lead, is, does it lead to something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so those are some of the, the big changes that we've implemented. And what we want to do going into 2019 is to try to get away from this idea of posting every day yeah. and look at, can we tell a story? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great segue to yes. some of the new features that we're looking to try to incorporate with our marketing um, for you to utilize for 2019 is um, a, a, a creation called like a storybook. So for a given listing or like a series of listings we have at the Park Shelton is kind of like creating the story of the background of the project, the history on the building. That's kind of like a digital magazine, mm-hmm. which will be much easier to promote because it's like one of those one click links that that can showcase a property from we can incorporate video we can incorporate pictures and as well as the language to like create this kind of story I love that. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah the storybook is really going to be a nice addition to what milo is doing what liz in detroit it's more interactive as people are out there because there was um you know, people were looking at virtual tours. You know, they wanted to go through these houses. Well, just take your phone. Well, the industry is not really hip on that. So this gives another way for people to walk through a house or actually visualize it before they get out there. And they can see, you know, do I really want to go take a look? Because time is valuable, as you understand that. So we're very excited about the storybooks. And, and just telling a story, I think, now is more poignant as, as more and more people are coming into the Detroit marketplace. And I'm seeing this as individual buyers, sellers, and their agents that might be new, but they want to take, you know, they want to be a part of Detroit changing for the better in so many levels and the understanding and appreciation of everything that it has to offer. And I think the more information you can give those people that wouldn't otherwise have it, because I can't be at every listing all the time to showcase a lot of my listings. But if I can give more of that information out there for a buyer or their their agent to utilize, it just makes the whole experience better. Because at the end of the day, I'm I'm trying to put forth the best face on my properties and the more people the more information that people know I think the better it will be for them to make that decision. And you're making it about the buyer. Right. Right? And right. uh you know it's too often uh brands say uh this is what I want to tell. This is mm-hmm. a story that, that I want to tell. This is what I want you to do, but you're not looking at it from you're not flipping it around and looking at it from the perspective of the buyer and i think mm-hmm. that's something that i've always loved about working with you is that it's always about the buyer um it's about the buyer first and what their needs are and solving for um their wants needs desires mm-hmm. maybe desires is wrong yeah i, I don't know right yeah, that could <laughs> be wrong which is you know it's it, there's editing I demands hope. i right? think demands. Is sometimes there we go. more right? appropriate yes. yeah there's no editing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it just is what it is. Hi, mom. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we, um, I truly believe that, you know, uh, there's this cool thing that Oculus is doing with the NBA where you can put these, um, goggles on and you can look around because it's the 360 yeah. degree video. Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's still not quite there because there are sections where you'll turn and it's a little bit dark. Um, but eventually that technology will be there to where you don't have to walk into a property, mm-hmm. right? You'll be able to just put on goggles, 
walk around, go through, um, and take that, uh, take a, a, a tour. But the problem, and, and it may be me just being old, like my dad used to say to me, you know, back in our day, I used to walk five miles or maybe 50 miles to school uphill. Oh, ways. that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but there's something about face to face, speaking with someone, shaking their hand, building a relationship, establishing trust mm-hmm. that you just cannot get past with technology. Yeah, and it's interesting seeing how there's the possibilities of the of real estate changing to like this um, online interface from start to finish. Like you might never ever meet your buyer, you know, you might not ever like go to a title company for your closing. That there will eventually be a timeline where everything's done virtually. That's just kind of crazy and creepy to me because I I can't ever imagine a world where I couldn't tangibly walk through a space that I'm going to buy. Yeah. So it's very interesting how all of that changes. And I, I just I still feel there's always going to be a need for someone like us that people can interact with to get the real story. And you know? I feel that you guys are uniquely positioned to do that yeah. because of the way that you run your organization and what you believe. Thank you. And with that, Billy, I wish we had more time. I wish you had more time to give us today. We'll fix that. Another show. Another show. Another Another show, show. 2019. And once again, you can follow Liz on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. She's at Liz in Detroit, L-I-Z-I-N-D-E-T-R-O-I-T. And, of course, my website, LizInDetroit.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.